Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to the Nobodies Podcast. It's another somebody session in which these nobodies bring on a somebody who is an expert or rising star in their field. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so this week our somebody is a mental health expert, licensed therapist, and award-winning author. When she's not helping patients at her private practice, Newport Mental Wellness, she's enjoying the company of her husband and two daughters, as well as sharing her insights on living a balanced life, family therapy, and overall happiness on her social media and blog. Please give a warm welcome to this week's somebody, Tina Sadri. All right, we're recording. You start. Okay, first of all, do not tell me what to do. Walked right into that one. All right. Hey, guys, I'm Annie. And I'm Bryce. And we are the nobodies. Experts on nothing. Opinions on everything. Thank you. Wow, that was sweet. Thank you so much for that great introduction. I appreciate it. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And what a great month to do this. Um, I really appreciate you guys paying attention to mental health. Thank you. Well, I mean. It's something we talk about a lot because it is something that Bryce needs a lot of help with. (laughs) I mean, it is. is, Put it all on him, huh? It is like all top of mind. It is like top of mind for me. I am just like, it is like a constant struggle. I don't know what happened. I mean, we can, we'll get into this. I just yeah, don't understand what. To. Let's do a session right here, right now. Oh my God. I know. I think Annie, Annie actually made a joke about this because yeah, yeah. we were we were connecting and she was like, don't, just don't come on too strong because she's going to probably, <laughs> she's probably going to think you're going to like try to get a free session out of her. So oh my like, God. The break. No, <laughs> you're kidding. No, absolutely not. We can talk about anything you guys want. Well, 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 let's start with you because I want to know what drew you to opening up your private mm-hmm. practice, Newport Mental Wellness, in the first place. And tell us yeah, about so, your business in general. Yeah. So the way I actually decided to be a um, psychotherapist was it's a kind of a funny story, but in high school, um, they the teachers created this tiny little club called the Peer Helping Club where um, peers would help peers. So um, it was consistent of myself and four other girls. And we were just basically trained by our psychology teacher to hear out our peers and keep things confidential and don't share whatever it was that they were sharing or going through with anyone else other than you know our little intimate group. Um, and so I learned at that point that when people know it's confidential and you sign because we used to sign these little agreements we had that they really open up to you and they really talk to you and I learned what a great feeling it was that someone trusted me with you know personal information and I just um I felt great value from it and I realized right then and there it's something that I want to do for life right um as a career but I didn't know you know what it took and I didn't know the schooling or anything like that so all I know is when I went to UCI I said you know I want to major in psychology so I started with taking the classes and the more classes I took the more I fell in love honestly um and I'm not saying that just to say that I really started really falling in love with um child development child psychology um you know, the reason we do certain things and the deep understanding behind things and how that helps you um, kind of go through life with that and how it helps you, right? 
in different um, areas of life personally as well. Yeah. Um, also, what drew think, you just qu quickly, what yeah. drew you to child psychology specifically? Was it because that's where, obviously that's where we get our, all of our ticks as adults. Okay. Cause that's yeah, fascinating because, to me too. Yeah. Because it helps you that. understand so much about another individual that, um, you would never even think of. Right. I mean, like, um, if someone has had trauma in their lifehood, in their childhood, maybe they were abused. Um, that person is more likely to develop um, personality disorders in the future, right? Um, such as multiple personality disorder, which is somebody has uh, two different personalities and they don't recognize the other one. It's a very rare. But Can I'm you have more than two? I'm just, I'm asking for a friend. More than more than two. Oh, yeah. Can you have more than two? Uh, yeah, you actually can. Okay, you can have. You I, can have multiple. Sometimes I feel like the guy in that movie Identity, where all the people are in the hotel and they're like, <laughs> they're like, I'm just swapping Seriously. back and forth. It's like, okay, oh my I'm God. really incriminating myself, aren't I? Keep you going. really are. <laughs> I, I told you, you I told this. you this is a hot topic for him. Yeah. I might call you after this just to make sure we're good. <laughs> I don't want to be responsible for anything. I know. You know I know you're triggering. There's so many trigger warnings going on all over the place. Oh, you're already yeah. like, it's five minutes in and you're like, uh, maybe we should have we no, should I love recorded it. this. No, I love it. I love your sense of humor. Oh, um, thank you. Anyway, so yeah, that's when I started really loving it more from the classes and learning more. Um, also, I am an immigrant, so I moved here when I was about 10 years old. And, you know, in that process, I mean, so much just goes on in your own family. Um, and my parents, one of them was a physician, one of them was a lawyer. We came here, we left everything. So there was just a lot of, um, you know, different uh, situations that my sister and I had to kind of contribute to as uh, almost like adults, right? Because our parents were kind of in culture shock and um, things were difficult. So yeah. I really felt like it was helping me personally. And one thing I've realized about all therapists, psychologists, is that they really are trying to um, heal themselves as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so I kind of fell in love with it. And then from then, um, from there, I went to graduate school and then I did my hours. And you have to do 3,000 um, hours of um, oh basically, yeah, basically... Yeah, doing therapy, but under a, a supervisor who is um, basically, you call them, you know, supervision. You call the session supervision and you sit down with all of the little trainees that they called you when you were um, doing this process. You're a trainee and your supervisor kind of goes over all the cases with you and kind of takes you through it and says, what did you hear? And guides you through it. And that's really how you learn um, how to do therapy. Um, I thought it was the most intriguing part of the whole thing uh, for me. It was to actually practice on actual people. Um, and yeah, and then I went from there to start my own private practice. That is fascinating because you're almost in therapy as you're training 100%. to be a therapist. In fact, Sounds you have like to go to therapy as well. You have to do, at least my school required that we do personal um, therapy for our hours. So part of our hours, we're doing therapy with a um, therapist for ourselves. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's very cool. Have See, you Annie, to, what? Annie, this could be, this is like your entry into therapy, this podcast with me. <laughs> seriously, like, seriously. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um, no, I was going to say, had you gone to therapy before I getting had. interested in this? Okay. I was wondering just because through immigration and I think all of that, I just 100%. didn't know if that would be something that 
you had done or I went and in fact, um, I should have probably said this when you asked me how I knew I wanted to be a therapist. One of the things that kind of coincided with the time that I was doing this pure helping club was that I was going to personal therapy and my therapist that my mom took me to when I was 16 was, um, is my mentor. I have a very good relationship with her. I love her. She's the funniest, most charismatic, um, Persian lady, uh, she walked out to get me and I was waiting in the hallway, like so scared and mortified of like, you know, what a therapist would look like. And I had this image in my mind, like, you know, she's going to have glasses, she's going to be old and scary or whatever. And I was like kicking myself. I was like, I don't want to be here. Why didn't my mom drag me into this? Um, so she comes out and she's got this like beautiful voluptuous hair and she's dressed up and she's wearing a skirt and she was holding this Samsonite bag in her hand and she was kind of like walking me to her office because she had just come from lunch. And right then and there from her energy, I was like, oh my God, she's so not what I expected, you know? And then um, she really understood everything I was going through. And, you know, at that age, I kind of needed compliments and some confidence. And she was so good with like the confidence boosting and the compliments and, but things you really wanted to hear, not just, you know, BS, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, like you knew she meant it. She knew how to say it. Um, and she actually was a big part of why um, I fell in love with the field as well. It was really her presence and who she was individually that made me realize I could see myself in that position, you know? That's like you didn't have to have like glasses and like white yeah. hair too. You right. know, the I was going to say, that's like such totally. the quintessential like yeah, look of totally. you, like the, the elbow pads and like totally. crazy hair, balding man. Totally. Like it's just. And I remember when my mom was telling me in the car, this is going to be good for you, whatever. I was imagining like lying down on a bed or like, you know, a chase. And I remember thinking, I really don't want to go to a place where I have to, I want to sit on a normal chair. And yeah. Um, yeah. I think. To this day, people walk into my office and they say, oh, where is the bed? Where is, you know, where can I lie down? Where can I put my hand? I'm like, what are you talking about? We've got Exactly. Yeah, I'm like, we've got regular chairs. Like, <laughs> get comfortable. You're not going anywhere out of bed. Um, so, yeah. It, it is funny would, what we think about as, yeah. like, as a society, like, what 100%. we present as a therapist or a, a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah. It's we perceive funny. things. Yeah. It totally How is. How important this is because you're Persian, correct? I am. Yes. Okay. And you mentioned your therapist when you were 16 was Persian. How important yes. is it, do you think, for people to maybe relate on that level or find some sort of commonality in their therapist? Do you think do you think that's important? Does it not really matter? So I think it absolutely matters as long as you connect on, you know, some uh, values, morals, um, it could be cultural, but as long as you connect, right, on a deep level. Right. Um, also, it really depends on what the issue is. Um, my issue at the time, if I tell you guys, you're going to probably crack up, but it was that I was in love with my husband, who's currently I'm married to him, uh, who was my brother-in-law and married. So my sister is married to his brother. So I was telling my okay. mom that I'm in love with my sister's husband's brother, two sisters married to two brothers. And um, she was really trying to make sure that I'm 100% sure of this decision before I go forward because she didn't want my sister's life to get ambushed by me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's why that's she's actually wild, kind of by the way. This I know, wild. I kind of love that. Yeah, yeah. So that's why uh, she was like, okay, well, let's go. Let's make sure, you know, you're serious about this because this is not just a regular guy you can, like, you know, get into, like, a fun relationship with if it gets out in the family, da -da 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 -da, right? 
Um, and also she thought I was way too young for him because he was at that time, he still is. But at that time I was so young, the age gap showed even more um, because we're 13 years apart. So imagine you're 16 okay. years old and you like, so my mom was like really freaked out. Oh my God. Um, yeah. And I was like, no, I really love him. Hey, at least um, you could, somebody could vouch for him. Like at least yeah, you're part of a true. family. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, so that's why I went to her. And because the issue was, I believe, um, something that maybe if she wasn't a Persian therapist would think like, what is happening here, you know? Um, but because in our culture, these things are a little bit more, um, normal, Mm -hmm. right? A little bit more acceptable. She was able to understand, and she was even able to understand my mom's worries. A lot of them were cultural. A lot of them were like, oh my God, what if the family finds out? And how is it going to look? And this and that. Um, I believe it was very important for her to be Persian at that point, but not all the time, right? Like, let's say my issue was that I have anxiety. um, And I, um, you know, experience social anxiety, let's say, right? Um, I think that as long as I connected with a therapist, and as long as she understood, you know, what I was talking about and could guide me, then it wouldn't really matter. So it kind of pertains to the um, issue at hand. Okay. That makes a lot that of sense. That makes sense? Yeah, very much so. Gosh, I mean, that's like a fascinating story that, I mean, really, it's like, I feel yeah. like it's a TV show. And <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, really, yeah. but like back then it was probably crazy how they catered to all the different people of your family. Like they were worried about the ricochet yeah. effect of this, 100%. which I feel like back then, cause I want to get into this as well, but like back then it feels like maybe they would have been like, okay, well, what's like, we're just going to fix the problem, like right in front of us, not mm-hmm. realize like all the different layers of this yeah. that could ricochet out. Because what I was going to say yeah. is that Annie and I are both from Nebraska where the words mental health, like oh. are considered dirty words. Therapy, I mean, therapy is definitely like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. weird. There's, no, there's like, nothing wrong with you. You don't need to go to therapy. Yeah. And, and so if I you have do. to say Persians are the same way. It's okay. Culturally, yeah, it's not accepted yet. Yeah. 100%. Well, okay. why do you, and so why do you think that is? Why do you, why, uh, from your professional opinion, why do you think that's considered sort of taboo that these, that this? Yeah. I think that people can't see it, right? Like, so a regular illness or disease, people can see, right? Um, yeah. Like, let's say, or they can just understand deeper, right? Like, let's say someone's had heart surgery. It's something that they can visibly see this person is in pain and, you know, they have, you know, whatever, they have bandages or they were at the hospital or they can visit them uh, physically in a hospital. So it's just really easy to digest. Whereas mental health is something you cannot see. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I always say in my videos that um, mental health doesn't have a face, right. It doesn't have a type. It doesn't choose a certain type of person. Um, And it's funny to me because even today you would think the subject is much more open and there's a lot more awareness, but people will, um say to me things like well she doesn't look depressed or really but i saw pictures of her out and she looked just fine or but really she just posted pictures on instagram and i'm just like oh there's so much more to this like it's so much deeper and you know someone can can look perfectly fine today and then tomorrow they not might not be able to get out of bed um right and disorders like, you know, bipolar uh, disorders where the person has, you know, huge shifts in the mood. One week they're like, you know, happy and really, really energetic and they are like doing a thousand things at the same time. And one week they're completely down and they're sleeping all week, right? Um, 
Well, what if you're catching this person the week that they are, you know, up and hyper and going on Instagram? But you know what happens to them the next week, right? Or two mm -hmm. weeks later or when yeah. the next episode comes. It just seems crazy to me that that this would be something that people wouldn't talk about or that it is something that is considered like, ooh, like what's wrong with them if mm. they're expressing these thoughts or, or things like to everybody like, oh, this is like too much. It's like uncomfortable for people. Yeah, yeah. And um, so. Yeah, it's crazy. I think that um, – celebrities and um, you know people that are really in the spotlight have a duty to this almost um, and I think that they can really carry this and um, lift all of these um, negative outlooks on it um, for example I'll tell you like the whole Britney Spears situation oh yeah uh, like I it's still like when I think back, I remember everybody was saying, oh, she's absolutely crazy and she's nuts. And like almost like coming at her, like they know her personally and they know what she's going through, but they're like throwing jobs her way, you know? Yeah. And I remember thinking, but we really don't know what's happening. Maybe, you know, maybe she's not feeling well, right? But mm -hmm. all people could say to describe how she was is she's crazy or she's insane or oh my God, ew. So, um, no, I think uh, sadly uh, they we are ruined her as a society. We completely ruined her. Yeah, we <laughs> like, ruined I mean, her. You know, yeah, it's horrible. Um, it's really bad. But because they're in the spotlight, I think that um, they can kind of really remove the stigmas and you know, just like they have with other things, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, do you think that? Um, what would you say to somebody who's maybe struggling with mental health issues but is afraid to speak up in fear of like what others might think? Hmm. I think that I mean, they don't, I maybe, would, maybe, but like, what would you do? Like, if, yeah. if someone, even if they're too afraid to speak about it, like to whomever. Yeah. I would say that um, the most important thing always is how you're feeling, right? So if you're feeling down and if you're unhappy, does it really even matter what other people think of you? Because you're not happy anyway. So let's say they say, you know, something about you, but you're not really experiencing life the way that you want anyway. So what does it matter? Um, I, I would say that. And then I would say, um, you know, you don't have to share with anyone. You could just go get professional help because mm -hmm. I think at that point, it's not really important to, um, you know, change their mind about it. I think what's more important than that, obviously, is to get them to feel better. So I would say, you know what, if you don't want anyone to know that you're going to a therapist, if you don't want anyone to know that, you know, you've been put on a certain medication or you have a certain diagnosis, that's okay too. Uh, tend to yourself. That's what matters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, I agree, and I'm glad there is kind of a movement I've seen, especially you mentioned Instagram, to mm -hmm. kind of like normalize taking medication. Mm -hmm. I think I've seen recently, especially through the pandemic and things like that, mm -hmm. where people went on anxiety medication or whatever the case may be. Um, and it's nice to just see people to talk about it openly mm -hmm. because I think the more that people do that, the more other people, to Bryce's point, that are maybe scared. Or worried about mm -hmm. being judged. Hopefully, that will give them one hundred percent freedom to do that. One hundred percent. I actually, uh, particularly, I spoke about my own journey. I had major postpartum depression, and I just went down. And I mean, like it was um, really an experience. I actually never thought I would personally experience. But when I look back, I feel honestly so blessed to have been able to experience that because it's just made me um, so much more empathetic towards um, honestly people it doesn't even have to be my clients but towards just everyone in my life um, like just a different level of deep understanding 
Um, and so I actually promised myself that if I was to get out of that depression, I would share my journey um, publicly. And that's actually why I opened my social media page. And so when I had the guts to do it, I um, created a video and I posted it. And I actually did another one recently and I posted it. This was during the pandemic, the second one. And um, I talked about how I actually had to take medication. I was that bad and that mm -hmm. it's okay. And that as a therapist, I'm usually anti-medication, right? Because I believe in talk therapy, right? Mm -hmm. I believe in being able to solve it without having to um, need pills or anything chemical, right? But it was kind of interesting because at that point where I was at my lowest, I realized never say never and never jump to conclusions um, and never um, take down something um, that you don't know much about, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I was put on medications and I, it helped me immensely. And it was something that I needed to take to bring back the hormones and stabilize me and... Um, it was great. I am curious when you were you aware that you were experiencing postpartum depression, mm -hmm. or was it, or did your husband notice it first? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, so my case was kind of a different case than the normal postpartum, and I, I will tell you the difference. My case was that I started developing major physical complications, and it was like okay. one thing after another just kept going down the hill, and I was very. Um, I really wanted to go into action mode. So I was going from one doctor to the other and I was trying to fix it, right? Because mm -hmm. I like to fix things and I didn't know how to fix it. So I was going insane in trying to figure out what was causing all of this. And I was just kind of like doctor shopping, like insanely. Mm -hmm. um, and it was to the point, no, seriously. And it was to the point where I um, wasn't sleeping. I was literally Googling, trying to figure out how I can fix all the stuff that's going wrong with me because I was having like major allergic reactions. Like all of a sudden my lips would be this big and my tongue would swell up. So it was just like, like I couldn't carry on with my day. Um, right. And I couldn't take care of my baby. I really couldn't. Mm -hmm. um, so it got to the point where I was up all night. I was going to doctor after doctor during the day. Um, I knew my anxiety was really high. I knew mm -hmm. the anxiety was like up to here. I mean, like my hands were shaking. I was mortified. I was so scared. Um, but I didn't know that the main cause of it was that on top of the fact that I had all these physical complications, that I also had, you know, postpartum hormones on board that were making everything just so much worse, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, your hormones uh, drop like like insanely right after that baby's born. Um, and that causes like post-birth baby blues and all of that, right? Um, but I had that and I had this other thing. So the psychiatrist that I actually ended up dealing with called it like the perfect storm. Okay, I had gotcha. Physical and I had, yeah. So mine was kind of a different case. Um, I kind of took the medication to calm down my nerves and the anxiety and balance the hormones. But what you're talking about is more like the um, steady hormone decline that causes the steady kind of going into depression. And it's kind of like less severe than mine, less um, anxiety oriented and more, mm -hmm. um, more sadness, right? More like blues and like just not feeling like yourself and all of that. Um, that sometimes uh, people are not aware of, like the mothers mm -hmm. are not aware of. And with that, sometimes 
You need somebody outside of your own body who's like looking at you from the outside in to tell you. And sometimes not. Sometimes the moms know themselves like that. I don't feel good and I don't feel like myself. Um, I will say it's something to be um, cautious of not overdiagnosing okay. because, because um, I have noticed lately whoever has a baby thinks they're depressed, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'll go through the criteria and I'll be like, honey, you're not depressed. You're just sleep deprived mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're starving because you're not eating anything and you're trying to lose all this weight in like a week. And oh, you're putting so much pressure on yourself. You're not, you're fine. You just need to eat and sleep. Yeah. And so okay. it's really important not to, um, and unfortunately it's one of those things, just like anything else is becoming overdiagnosed. So well, yeah. it does sound like there is a societal pressure of women to like bounce right back after a baby. Yeah. And like, I also have to equate, I, I would have to think that, you know, postpartum would be some, maybe not, but like, it seems almost like PTSD where you're, cause your body is in such trauma, isn't yeah. it? I mean, like it's, it yeah. goes through this trauma that you're, especially like after your first child, you know, you're not used to, and then it's like, okay, it's here. And it's like, yeah. I've been, and I feel also feel like there's this mental pressure. And again, I'm a white man explaining yeah. <laughs> postpartum no, depression, but yes, at the same yes, time. Yes, please, Bryce, continue. <laughs> yeah, like, like, I'd have to, I have to imagine that the mind, yeah. would, the mind is like, you're preparing yourself as a mother. You're preparing to like push this child out of your body. And then it gets here and it's like, oh, well, okay, then now what? Almost. Yeah, there's it, no manual, right? Yeah, like, like no it's just crazy. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's a lot, but it's also how you prepare yourself for it. I think that, um, you know, from a male's perspective, I could totally see how you would think that. But I think <laughs> yeah. the female perspective is I've been carrying this child for, uh, you know, nine months mm -hmm. and I am so ready. Like you just go into this nesting period and, um, you know, you kind of get everything ready and you see the baby so much through the ultrasounds towards the end. It's like once a week. Um, and you almost feel like you're just so ready for them. I think mm -hmm. what moms are not necessarily ready for, to be honest, is not the baby, but almost the, um, you know, sleep deprivation that mm -hmm. is like insane. I mean, I don't think anyone can be ready for that. Honestly, I, yeah. I, oh I don't do well with not sleeping. So I neither do was, I. <laughs> yeah. It's like that's hard you know? yeah because imagine if you remove that sleep deprivation and like the baby sleeps all night and then during the day you have you know two months off from work let's say if you have uh you know postpartum leave to play and you know i don't know adore your baby you'd be fine right but right it's that you're not sleeping you're exhausted and there's just so much work to do i think that's what really gets you down you i like that you mentioned i like that you mentioned too about medication because i think there's a stigma of people who are yes. suffering from mental health issues yeah. mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. they're going to go to a therapist or a, a, a psychologist and they're just going to immediately prescribe a pill yeah. yeah and i think that yes that works like i'm on medication i have been for a while and again, we'll get into my issues in a minute, but like, I, I, I mean, actually there's not enough time, but <laughs> uh, we'd have to have like a seven, a seven part series. A that'd be another, that'd be a year? whole other podcast, like a whole other podcast actually. Um, no, but I, I think what's interesting is that, you know, some people do need the medication, but there are other alternatives, like, as you mentioned. So I was just wondering 100%. if there were other than, other than like talking it out or are, are there any things that maybe yeah. you do personally or yes. things that you recommend to clients? Yeah, a hundred percent. 
So first of all, uh, I always say take some me time, right? Self-care. I think that it's the most important thing. Um, I think people kind of just go, 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 and they are left with no energy and nothing to give, and then they realize they're not good. So I always say staying ahead of it is the best way to go about it. Almost like, um, you know, when you have a lot of pain, have you noticed if you take the Advil after the pain is really severe, it takes so long for it to go away. But if you take the Advil right when the pain is there, it immediately gets eliminated, yes. right? Mm-hmm. So so the same way, uh, trying to stay ahead of it, um, I, I always think that that will make everything so much uh, better, so much faster. Um, how? By taking some time to yourself. Um, what are some of the things you could do to take some time to yourself? Um, it really depends on the issue and it really depends on, um, you know, the problem at hand. But I think uh, I'm going to give you guys some suggestions just generally. Um, meditation obviously really helps. Um, now, when I say meditation, I always see people like rolling their eyes like, I don't know how to do meditation and I am not that person. And then I always hear like, I'm too hyper and this and that. And I'm like, I'm the most hyper person you can ever meet. So when I tell you you can do meditation, you can. And um, I actually always do guided meditation for myself because I am not a yogi and I am not, um, you know, one of those people that can be really still. I find that using guided meditation really helps bring me back in when I am distracted. Um, and then so the next question is, okay, where do I get this guided meditation from? Literally, if you just go Google, okay, guided meditation, you will find some really good stuff that will probably um, stick out to you that you need, right? Like you'll see like guided meditation for anxiety or guided meditation for deep sleep or guided. So you'll, it'll pop out at you. Yeah. Um, and one of the people that I really love is Sarah Blondin. Um, she is just, her voice is so calming and soothing. So I love listening to her. Um, but yeah, there's so many good ones. So definitely yeah. I would say this is, this is going to be really relatable, but Annie and I love our Pelotons and we, Ooh, I mean, there's really Peloton. good, there's really good meditation mm-hmm. on Peloton. Love that. I've, love that. I've been doing those and they've been, they are really helpful. Really helpful. So, yeah. But um, you can find every, everybody else who, you know, yeah. isn't as, isn't as, you know, high class. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But like, anyway, everyone, you can find a lot of like free meditation yeah. and guided, guided meditation. So yes, yes, absolutely. And then That's a I great would say one. Medit- guided meditation is great, but sometimes um, they don't uh, take in the deep breathing in the guided meditation. So deep breathing is so important because a lot of times when we're nervous, we're kind of like we have very shallow breath and we're like uh, not really even breathing properly. I personally am like that when I'm really busy. I kind of like hold my breath. It's so bad for you. Um, So deep breathing will really help you. Um, And, you know, if you are the kind of person that um, you're willing to spend more time, then obviously yoga is something fantastic. Um, If you're not a big yoga person, then I would say sweating. Like the Peloton is amazing. Just sweating it out and um, really giving yourself that natural boost of happy hormones is the best thing you can do for yourself. Um, if you don't like to exercise, start with, I always say 10 minute walks. Mm-hmm. Best yeah. way. Just get out some fresh air, just walk, clean your mind, uh, cleanse your mind. It's so good for you. Um, yeah. and then I would say, uh, having a support group to talk to. Um, and by that, I don't mean like an official support group guided by a therapist, but I mean your support group. Um, I kind of call it the your cabinet of people that you trust, right? 
Um, it could be anywhere from one person to five people. These are your trusted advisors that you can go to and you can talk about anything, but you don't feel judged and you don't feel like they are going to go and share this information outside of this circle of trust. Um, yeah. And I, I think that really helps because sometimes we just honestly need to just vent. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Gosh, I mean, seriously, I mean, I, I'm going to toot Annie's horn because she has an accountability group that she does every month. And she oh, it's with about 10. I mean, you can explain it better than I can. But this sounds like all the stuff that you're doing in that group, Annie. I mean, that's really cool. And she, you're, you're the leader of it. So it's that's really awesome. neat that I mean, that like, I mean, because it's you. like getting out. I mean, you say it's just like, what is it about? It's like 30 minutes, like. So it's, I'm working with five women this month. It varies between five to 10. Um, and I do okay. daily check-ins with them. The goal is always 30 minutes of moving your body, whatever that means to you. Love it. Um, mm -hmm. Six days a week. I do think it's important to like give yourself one okay. day to chill. Um, 100%. And mm. then, yeah, just basically it started off as that. Just like, cause so it's, when you would know someone else is moving, it helps you kind of get in the flow of exercising. Totally. And now it's turned into like talking about everything. I and love it. most That's of amazing. these most of these women I've never met in person. Oh. Um actually all five of them this month I've never met in person. Okay. Um, it's a different so, group every month. So some have been with me for multiple months and then I, it's their choice. Like if they find value and want to continue, great. If they've kind of gotten what they want out of it and don't want to, that's fine too. They can always come back. Um, I leave it up to them. Yeah, you said it's um, kind of like a jump start almost too. Like, you know, you've sort of equated it to that, like jump starting a car. So, like, now it's running and. Yeah, yeah. How, how do exactly. people sign up? I mean, where do they, they find just, you? On Instagram. They just wow. contact me through Instagram. Um, I love it. But yeah, no, so it is. I think it's just knowing that you have somebody who has been through what you've been through because I. Bryce and I talk about like our body issues and everything like that for far too much. Yes. Let's say that. And during the pandemic, the last year, I really got into a place where I'm like, I need to just appreciate my body. I need to cut it some slack. Like it's getting me through this pandemic. It's getting me mm -hmm. through day to day. And it really became more about what makes mm -hmm. me feel good versus mm -hmm the number on the scale or my clothes or, you know, mm -hmm. anything like that. And so I think because I've been able to, and is it perfect by any means? No, like mm -hmm. I still have my days, but I think because I've kind of gone through that mm -hmm. process mentally for some of these other women that I'm talking to, Love I it. think it helps them kind of be like, okay, well, this is kind of what I'm dealing with right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and yeah. so, yeah, it's been really beneficial. I think both ways mm -hmm. it's helped me a ton too. Well, anytime you teach someone, you're learning yourself more. So I would yes. say that it's 100% the case. And but it leads back so to what you were saying, Tina. Like it's leads back you. to what you're saying. You know, you were like, you were almost in like a symbiotic relationship with the person that was helping you. And you, mm -hmm. you found such value in helping someone else that that's what led you to this massive, amazing career that you've had, which does include being a, uh, an award-winning author. You have a book called hashtag obsession, freeing yourself of social media disorder, which is a very hot topic that I'm really interested in getting into mm -hmm. with you. The book is available on Amazon, everybody, but what is social media disorder first? Mm -hmm. 
Just go ahead. Start there. Let's start there. What is social media? Yeah. Disorder? So I actually wrote this book so many years ago, and at that but point, it's obviously still very relevant. Yeah. So. Yeah. At that point, social media wasn't as hot as it is right now, and it wasn't um, this crazy, honestly. Um, but I, the reason I wrote it was because I had just started um, my career. And I had friends coming to me and I had clients coming to me and I would hear this word Instagram like every other session. And I'm like, what is happening? This is crazy. Why do we keep talking about Instagram? And it was just like, oh, like I went to lunch and I saw so-and-so and they didn't take a picture with me, but they took a picture and they posted it. Or I saw on Instagram no. that like this couple went out and they didn't invite us. Or I saw on Instagram that there was a party that I didn't get invited to. So I just started God. realizing there was a lot of um, drama. And then I started noticing there was a lot of jealousy being created from Instagram. Like, you know, uh, so-and-so's um, sure. like boyfriend bought him this watch and I've been with mine for this long and I don't have anything. Or traveling, like a lot of, um, you know, FOMO, right? That now we call it FOMO. Probably because of Instagram, there's so much of it now. Um, just fear of missing out. Like, you know, so-and-so were in uh, Europe and I haven't been to Europe ever in my life. And I'm like, well, how do you know all this information? Like, how do you know all the specific places this person went to? And they was, well, I saw it on their Facebook. I saw it on their Instagram. And I remember like towards the end of like, I don't know, maybe six months of ongoing um, sessions and friends and family telling me about all this social media stuff. I was like, oh, I'm so done with this. And I, <laughs> I want to write something about it. So we were driving in the car, my husband and I, and I said, honestly, I just think social media is like that really like troublesome friend that just goes around staring the pot and telling everybody what they shouldn't know and creating yeah. like all this behind the scenes. Like, Gosh, you're so ahead of the curve here. I Seriously. Mean. I, actually, it was really my husband who said, oh my God, you need to write a book on this and uh, you need to like journal your thoughts about this. As and your husband's a doctor too, right? I yeah, mean, my he... husband is an uh, eye, physio eye ophthalmologist, okay. uh, eye surgeon. And um, he's actually- honestly, Gosh, you guys that... could really make a gold mine on me. I mean, you need a new like uh, steam shower. I, I, have <laughs> I have terrible eyes. I have- Are you serious? Yeah, I was, born with, I was born with a disease- what were you um, born with? It was. It's called a Mittendorf dot. Okay. It's like a, it's almost like a cataract, but it's an infancy. Okay. But it was. I was born okay. with it. And, and is it I'm progressive? Be blind. Or no? It, it's not necessarily progressive, but it it it's just always impaired my vision. Like hmm. I can't. I I'm can't so tell. Sorry. Yeah, I you just wear contacts. It's okay. I should. Okay. Anyway, yeah. keep going. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's keep actually the one that. Um, always like I'll say something just out of nowhere and he will be like do it you know like just mm -hmm. go for it and um he was really the reason behind me writing this book so I said really you think so honey and you know you're always not sure of yourself but your partner maybe is more sure of you. he's like yeah you're gonna write it you're gonna kill it um and so I did and so the social media disorder um, relates to an individual who is getting abused by social media rather than benefiting from it, right? right. So um, I will use myself as an example. I am the kind of person who is uh, benefiting from it more than getting abused by it. Now, it's possible that at times I fall into the trap too, right? It's not that you're always perfect with it, but it's that for the most part, it's something that's positive in your life rather than negative. 
Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the ways it's negative um, is if you're experiencing a lot of fear of missing out. And if every time you're scrolling through social media, you feel down and you're just like, you get off and you're like, oh, like, I don't feel good about my life. Um, yeah. Let's say you're scrolling down and you don't feel good about yourself. You don't feel as pretty. You don't feel as in shape. You don't feel as hot as all the other girls on social media, right? Mm -hmm. um, so if it's creating a negative feeling for you most often, then I would say you're the kind of person who's getting abused by it. If most of the time you're using it to your benefit, like it sounds like you guys, this page you have um, for your podcast, right? Um, you are an example of someone who's using it to your benefit because you're teaching people something, you're having fun doing it, you're having fun posting it, you're creating a support group or an accountability group where other women are coming in and you're helping them. And, you know, you guys are meeting people that um, are, you're calling somebodies, although I think you guys are the somebodies oh, because you're bringing in people and you're creating awareness. So I tell us think, more. Tell us more. <laughs> I actually think the hats off to you guys and I'm proud of you. Thank um, you. But uh, yeah, so you guys, I would say, are benefiting from it, right? Now, I don't know what you do in your personal social media or when you're sitting down watching other people's social media. Hopefully well, and just to be clear, Annie's accountability group is her social media. So I would right. say, I would also say that she's thriving in using it okay. in her personal life. Great. Me, on the other hand, probably the opposite. But I actually yeah. disagree, Bryce, because I think, um, aren't you the one that reached out to me? So I yes. think that you are, and you're actually a very- well, I love person. the podcast Instagram. I think the podcast yeah. Instagram is great. And I try to spend most of my time just like for me, I try to spend most of my time over there as opposed to on my own because it. it does bring me a lot more joy and excitement yeah. to like build that page and to do that stuff. It really feels like I'm building, we're building like a brand here as opposed to- it mine where I'm just kind of scrolling and like seeing what my friends are doing, which is great yeah. too. But it's like, you mm -hmm. get that. I definitely get that what you're saying, like all the mm -hmm. things, all the yeah, and Actually, you brought up a really good uh, fact. So the person who is benefit from, benefiting from it is usually the person who is doing it for a purpose, right? Just like anything else in life. If you have a purpose with doing it, then it's great. So if your intention behind having whatever your Instagram page is to get a product out or to get inspired by other people's products or to go on there and get inspired by, um, I don't know, like, let's say like a, um, a fitness um, page. Let's say you're on social media because you get inspired. That's great too. You don't always have to be the creator of something. You mm -hmm. could be enjoying something. You could be learning something. But what I'm saying is that the intention behind it is really important, right? And also to just check yourself. Um, Am I, you know, feeling negative? Am I feeling jealous? Am I feeling like, to be honest with you, I personally have. Uh, and I actually experienced this not so long ago, like a month ago. I, I kept seeing um, something a friend was doing, and I am sure it was not intentional. Um, but I felt sad. I felt like I was left out, and I um, felt sad. And the reason I'm sharing this is because I'm not holier than thou over here sitting here saying, Oh, like I only use that. It's yeah. not true. Any of us can fall into a pit at any point. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I actually, uh, checked myself and I was like, okay, Tina, like you either need to stop looking at this right now. Um, you need to stop looking at this person's page for, you know, like a week or two. 
um, or you need to address this, or you need to um, just get off social media for a week and take a break. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean that I don't post my content, right? Because my content right. is not bothering me. Somebody else's content. <laughs> so you just have to be like, you know, really conscientious about what's causing what. Because a lot of times I'll see people writing, "Oh, I'm getting off social media for the next two months," um, and I think that's great if that's not your career. But if it is your career, if it's part of your job, like mine is, then um, that doesn't mean you have to stop posting your content. It just means you have to. Um, stop looking at what is bothering you. So know that right. cause so that you can address it correctly rather than um, do something that's just going to bring you down. Because right. I, I don't want people to think, oh, now they have to stop something that is actually creating revenue for them or anything like that, right? Right. I think one of, speaking to Instagram specifically, I think yeah. the best thing they ever did is do the mute button. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. amazing. I am so quick. Annie yeah. loves the mute button. Yeah. I love yeah. the mute button. I am so, because yeah. I, to your point, like I do think that 95% of the time Instagram is benefiting me. I feel joy from it. Like my accountability group or mm -hmm. even funny things that I laugh at on there or whatever. Yeah. That means, yeah. Had, yeah. And I've had multiple instances where people just get on my nerves and it's not necessarily that I've been that I have FOMO or they make me feel sad but yeah. they make me feel like almost angry yeah. <laughs> I'm like yeah. what and as soon as I start to feel that I mute their posts I mute their stories it's so good and I'm like okay cool like yeah, now by the way can you unmute me now is this is it going to line up? <laughs> unfortunately because of this podcast I can't mute you <laughs> Well, so I was, was going to say too. <laughs> well, I really think that I, I, I feel like I totally relate to this because, and not that I don't think that it, Instagram or anything is beneficial, but I do feel like it is a real, um, it is mm -hmm. a, is a big factor in a lot of my anxiety. So I have anxiety. I have a panic disorder. I, mm -hmm. uh, I was diagnosed a couple of years ago and it, it came on like a freight train, never saw it coming. Didn't see, you know, yeah. it just, it, it was actually great. It was, I've probably told this story. I mean, Annie started a million times, but I was at a, I was in Mexico at one of my best friend's wedding and okay. it just like came up. And I think there's obviously something to that. I can lead into that. Like, you know, my friends are getting married. I'm single living out here, like not maybe in the career space that I'm in. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of layers to that. But I also think what leads it back to social media is that, you know, you are, you are putting out your best life on social media. There are certain mm -hmm. things that are, you're doing that are, that, and that everybody's looking, everyone's looking at this life and you're like, God, you're comparing yourself, regardless of if you feel like, even if you're, even if it's subconscious, you're comparing yourself. And so I think a lot of my anxiety and what's crazy too, is that I have other friends that are in completely different stages in their lives. And all feel the same way. Like we, I, I, once I started opening up about mm -hmm. my own mental health issues, which yeah. again, everyone, anyone who knows me, I mean, this is, this is what I do. Like, I'll just tell, I'll talk to a wall about my mental health issues. I have no problem doing that. And I think everyone should get to a place where they can, because yeah. it is so beneficial. Cause once I started opening up to people, everyone's like, Oh my gosh, I've been struggling with panic. I, I have depression oh, yeah. or I have this, I have mm -hmm. that. And it's like, it was so comforting to know that you're not alone in this and nobody is. So yeah. I, I think what's interesting, interesting about social media though is the fact that everybody does have this sort of like this 
interest this relationship like you mentioned like they're the fun they're, it's like fun to have the person like it's a mm -hmm. fun friend to have around but you know that they're like stirring shit up in the, the background yeah. yeah so yeah. you're like this kind of it's just a weird you almost have to i feel like taking breaks would be more beneficial yeah. to me i just kind of feel like there's something with that if everyone in other stages who aren't feel their anxiety aren't the same anxieties that i have but there there are other there are a variety of different factors but we're all kind of like thinking it's got to probably be social media then there is something to that so 100 so what i want to tell you bryce that i think will personally help <laughs> you but just generally as well um is never compare your inside life with other people's outside life okay this is great and and what i mean by that is that you know what's happening on the inside right so you know all your failures, you know, all the good, the bad, the ugly, you know what happened to you yesterday and you know everything, right? So there's a package you're judging, whereas the people that you're looking at on Instagram or just even in life that you don't know, like to the core. Um, and by the way, most of the times we don't know enough, like even no. it could be our sister, right? Because unless you're walking right. in a person's shoes, you really don't know. Um, so you're looking at the outside life and the outside life on social media in particular is portrayed a certain way and no one can really portray their inside life on social media anyway. I mean, mm -hmm. what are you going to do? Like constantly post like, like it's stupid to be honest. Yeah. Like I, I will get like a, you know, uh, negative comments or hate comments like, oh, if you're a therapist, why are you always like in cute clothes if you're a therapist as, as if i'm supposed to die if i'm a therapist you know <laughs> you're supposed to look like the woman and you're I'm supposed like, to have glasses listen, and i didn't decide to die the day i became a therapist <laughs> i decided to improve myself and help other people improve their lives if where I are your uh, where are your patches on your, your know, elbow patches seriously so um but I've thought about it. I'm like, okay, well, I've talked openly about, you know, my depression. I've talked openly. I have spoken about my failures. I've spoken about very truthfully about what my life has been, the difficulties, this, that. But I mean, what else am I going to do? Do you want me to post a picture of myself crying? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? I mean, I, mean I, I don't even take pictures of myself when I'm crying. And if you do, that's great. But I think that's kind of counterintuitive. If you're crying, why are you taking a picture of yourself? Exactly. exactly. I mean, doesn't make sense, right? So, um, yeah, so I think it's really important to know uh, it's human nature to post the highlighted moments, but just don't judge what's going on in your inside world because you know all of it with somebody else's outside world because you don't know it. That's huge. That's great advice. Yeah. And I also want to mention that you were just on the cover of Parenting OC Magazine. So first of all, congratulations. Thank but you. you talked about some of this stuff where you talked about being an influencer and, you know, like kind of how all this, I, I'm interested in knowing too, that what is, <laughs> this is going to sound weird, but I, so I went to a party, I went to a party yesterday and I didn't, it, it was like, <laughs> I, I went to a party and they, um, and I knew that it was someone's, it was my friend's birthday party. And I obviously know my friend, but I, I, I was kind of like, I wasn't sure who I, else I was going to know at this party. Uh -huh. And in pre pandemic, this thought would never have even crossed <laughs> my mind to be like, but I really woke up in the middle of the night and was like, Oh my God. Like, I felt like I was back in like sixth grade where I was like, I'm going to show up <laughs> at this party and no one's going to talk to me and nobody's going to like me and all this yeah. stuff. Like yeah, just yeah, yeah. totally irrational thoughts. Yeah. And so I was just kind of wondering what you think, like, you know, obviously we're talking about a healthy relationship with social media, but like, how do you, 
how would, what is the best advice you could give to people who are maybe struggling with that social anxiety coming out of a pandemic? Because again, like I said, I'm a very big extrovert. Like I would mm-hmm. never have an issue and other people, you know, I went down there and I, again, of course, like, like airing all my grievances out, but I was telling these people and they were saying the same thing. They're like, I forgot how to act around people. So I just was curious is like, what would you say to people who are maybe struggling with that? Mm-hmm. How would they, how do they get past that? Post-pandemic uh, social anxiety. Yeah, like, or just so, maybe a newfound social anxiety that, that yeah. is. Yeah, I would say you got to just jump back into things, honestly. If you're feeling okay. comfortable to go out, it's one of those things It's almost like a baby that learns you know, how to crawl <laughs> and then learns to walk. It's one of those things you have to, if it's created due to the pandemic, what that tells me is that lack of uh, socializing has created it, right? Yeah. So you got to bring back the socializing so that you can go back to how it was. That's if it's created due to the pandemic. Now, if you have social anxiety in general and you had it before the pandemic, then that's a whole nother world. Then yeah, you have to sit sure. down and kind of figure out, well, what is it? You know, is it a... Um, is it because you are wondering what other people are thinking about you when you walk into a place? Is it because you think all eyes are on you? Is it because you don't feel good about yourself when you walk into a space? And what are some of your thoughts? Let's go through them. Let's you know create a list. And um, I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist, so I really believe in rationalizing irrational thoughts. So then I would oh, go God. through a list of, you know, what are some of your thoughts? And then we would go through them and I would help you kind of um, pick which ones are rational and we would keep those and we would work on them if it's a negative and then throw out the irrational ones. And I would literally have you like write them on a piece of paper and I would have you tear it apart and throw it out. Like literally, like just throw it out. Um, that's that. an exercise that I'm going to start with yeah. Bryce yeah. Yeah. right, yeah. After, right after this podcast. Seriously, it's going to start it. immediately. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it really depends on what is causing the social anxiety. Oh, that's, that is, that's a really good point. And mm-hmm. some, but seriously, something very pointed, I think it's really interesting. I I'm really fascinated with social media and anxiety. And I think you're doing some awesome, awesome work in that, in that area. So keep it Where up. Can people buy your book. Just so Amazon. That- Amazon. Amazon. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, and you have my, a website, which is what we want to plug too. So that's, yeah. it's just your name, Tina. Yeah. Tina Everything is just Tina Saudry. <laughs> Tina Saudry.com. And you can go, yeah. this is where you can, and we'll do this at the end too, but just, mm-hmm. this is where you guys can go. And, and if you want to book an appointment or if you want, if you, you have a blog, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different stuff on your website that people yeah. can go to. And also your Instagram, which is huge too, that you post a lot. Yeah. About. So on my Instagram, uh, what I do uh, to give back, because this is really why I started my Instagram page. I told you guys I was depressed yeah. and I promised myself if I was to come out of it, I would live my best life which would mean that I would do everything that I loved and having a social media page was always one of those things. So I decided I'm going to do that and prove to myself that I'm not scared of the judgment, um, which, yeah. oh my gosh, it was brutal. Let me tell you. Oh God, like, I know yeah. it's, you're so brave. I mean, it's so courageous oh, for you to do that. Seriously brutal. though. It was brutal. I mean, I still look back. It was two years ago. I, two and a half years ago, I opened it and I went public and I, look back and I don't know how I was so strong. And I think the only reason I was so strong um, and I kind of took in all the harsh negative comments and people like just honestly not even wanting to be my friend anymore that were my friends. um, I realized that I was so brave because my reason for it was so deep. Mm-hmm. You know, like my- It was authentic. Re- I mean, it was, it was there was nothing so fake about deep it. deep and authentic. I just 
it was a promise to myself and to no one else. And it was something that I wanted to prove to myself and to no one else. And it just kept me going because the reason and the intention behind it was honestly so pure, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, so what I do is I post um, these uh, therapy Tuesdays where I talk for five to eight minutes about a particular topic. And I normally get the topics um, suggested by my audience. So I will do like a pull up, like, what do you guys want me to talk about? So I will take all of the content comes from the people. Um, and I always make sure to say that if it's like about like a um, narcissistic friend, I'm like, oh God, I don't want any of my friends to think I'm pointing them out. <laughs> like, I swear, this is something I've been asked to talk about. Um, and a lot of times I'll post them on my stories so people around me don't think it's about them. Um, because believe me, I've gotten, I've gotten calls or text messages. Was that about me? Because I kind of did that. And I'm like, oh my God, no. I that happens to us too. We have like yeah. blind items on our podcast. Yeah. And they're like, was that about me? Um, yeah, like, I would never take that public. Like, I know. Um, so, yeah, so I post these videos every Tuesday and every Monday I will pick like a Monday motivation saying that I like from myself. And um, under my photos, I always try to write something inspirational. But yeah, it's just kind of like a, um, well, yeah, a passion it's, project. It's super, super inspirational. That. And you really do practice what you preach. And I hope that people can, and especially like taking your lead, you know, really understand that turning mental health, especially like anxiety, like, the, you know, the ones that yeah. a lot of the trivial, I don't want to say trivial, but a lot of the ones that people suffer from, you know, that are very common, um, that it is a, it is a strength. It's not a weakness for you to be able to get through what that is. It is a, it's a, you are way more resilient than you think you are. And I just hope that people will continue to, to move forward. But I know we, we've kept a lot, kept you long enough. We have a couple of, we have a couple of really quick segments here. We have a special segment. Um, As we mentioned before, before we started recording, um, Annie and I uh, know each other because of our moms and we really love them so much. So we thought it would be fun to ask, one of them to submit uh, a question or two to ask are somebody's in a special segment we call uh, very obviously the mom question. So this week's mom question comes from Annie's mom, Lori. So Annie, take it away. Yes. So she did have two questions. The second is kind of a follow-up to the first. Um, What type of client do you find the most difficult to help? Ooh. That's a good one. The moms have the best questions, by the way. They're they're always the best. The kind that is there to vent and not really take in anything that I am suggesting and not really there to change. Um, So the kind that thinks they're right, even though they're complaining, but all they really want to do is just complain. And um, I was taught this by my supervisor. He said some people are just, you know, the venters and they just come to vent and you just have to hear them out. And at some point you have to say, listen, do you want to come back? Because you're wasting your money. You're wasting my time and you're wasting your money. Um, and so that's what I do now. After six sessions, if I see that the person is not benefiting um, because of my moral code as a therapist mm-hmm. and uh, because of my ethics, I will say, I'm sorry. Like, it's great that you're paying me. Thank you. But really, why are you paying? All you're doing is just <laughs> talking <laughs> negatively. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. Asking if I'm right. Like, tell me I'm right. You know? Yeah, so, exactly. So that's oh, most difficult. Even yeah. with friends, even when friends come to me and they're like venting about stuff and I, I'm very solution oriented. So I'm like, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Like, tell me how you feel. Now, how do we fix that? Mm-hmm. And 
when it's just like you can tell immediately because you offer them a perfect solution yeah. and they either change the subject or mm-hmm. they find a way to get out of it. And then you're like, oh, no, no, you just needed me to – you just need to yeah. like run your mouth mm-hmm. for a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Or they yeah. come at you like, no, I don't really yes. think – no, yeah. The mm. defensiveness. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I yes. can't stand that. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. And then her second question is, mm-hmm. when can you tell that a client has had like an aha moment or a breakthrough in a session? Um, it really differs for different people, but um, I actually had one today that I felt like she had a breakthrough and she got super emotional and um, started crying and then explained to me what was going on without me explaining to her. So she had um, a deep realization that normally I would have to point out, but she pointed out. That's oh, awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, that is so cool. All right. Mm-hmm. So to end, Tina, to end our summary sessions, we like to ask everyone the same three questions. They're really rapid okay. fire. So, so you don't need to think about them too much. But Annie, please do the honors. Okay. So the first one is, what is your favorite hard seltzer? And if you don't drink just anything that you, like a beverage you enjoy. Oh, I drink all kinds of. Okay, I love wine. <laughs> yes. I love. Um, I love a good white Sancerre um, from New Zealand. I. What love, is that? A wine? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sancerre from New Zealand. It's amazing. Nice. A white wine. Um, and I love a good skinny margarita with mezcal. Um, it's a. I don't Ooh. know if you guys know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Mexican okay. tequila. So good, and um, smoky. I, like yeah, it. I love I love smoky drinks, and then I love a good red wine. Um, my favorite is by um, Pasta Robles. What is it called? Um, I don't remember what it's called. Sorry, that's okay. That's right. oh, I, lo- I love that whole that's area. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, the second one is what's what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Ooh, that's a good one. Best piece. You said I don't have to think about that. That's like, <laughs> I know. I know. Everyone um, gets tripped up on this one. Yeah. Um, I think maybe not necessarily a piece of advice, but something that has always helped me get through really hard, dark times because I've had uh, some difficulties in my life, just like a lot of us have. But um, it's always been that my husband kind of looks at me and tells me, honey, the best is yet to come. And he really means it. And because the best has come after other you know, sad moments in my life. I trust them so deeply when he says that. Um, so I would say that that's, that's like really oh, common that's to me. so good. I yeah. love that. I feel like you guys have such a cool relationship. Yeah. I want to like talk, just talk about that for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, next time. We'll bring yeah. My, my husband, uh, knock on wood, he's, um, he's the most wonderful guy in the world. He really is. He's just such, such a good person. Yeah. Yeah. Such a good person. Yeah. Oh, I love that. The third question and last one is, mm-hmm. what do you believe that you are an expert of? Ooh, you said I don't have to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? And it doesn't um, have to be therapy. It doesn't no. have to be. It can be something totally, you know, irreverent too. An expert of, huh? Um, I am very good at socializing. I'm bubbly. Okay. I have a very bubbly personality. Yeah. I love that. So I'm, I'm kind of an expert at socializing. Would that count? Yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, totally. Especially after the year we've all had, like yeah. a lot of people are struggling with that. Yeah. Hello. Like, I, yeah. You just heard my story. Like, yeah. Uh, 
I can kind of just get along with anyone. Like I, if you put like an 80 year old man in front of me, I'll find something to laugh with them about. And if you put like a 10 year old uh, girl in front of me, I will have a blast with them. So I'm, I'm really good with people. That's oh, amazing. That's well, Tina, thank you so much for being here. Uh, you can and should follow her on Instagram at Tina Sadri, and please check out her website at www.tinasadri.com for more information on her blog, life advice, or to book an appointment with her at Newport Mental Wellness. Remember, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and if you can, please donate to Mental Health America to help someone who is struggling. And if you are the one who is struggling, know you're not alone. There are plenty of resources out there to help you, including Mental Health America and the National Alliance on Mental Illness. On this. So please visit their websites for more details. Once again, thank you so much, Tina. Is there anything else you want to plug? Yeah, you're so good at that. My oh God. my God. <laughs> like, I'm like reading like, off of, I'm reading could, off of it. No, you're so good. You could take Ryan Secret's place. Oh, so thank good. You. <laughs> I'm coming. I'm coming for him. I'm but also don't don't blow his head up too big. Gotta, okay, yeah, thank you. There we go. There it's we go. About, it's all about balance. <laughs> all Tina, right. thank you so much for being here. This Thanks, was guys. such it's yes, such it was a pleasure. so much fun. No, we Thank really you appreciate so much. it. You guys and are awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. I have no idea you're going to succeed. Oh, thank, thank you, you so, so much. Thank you so much, you guys. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Thank okay. you. Talk soon. Yes, deal. Okay. Okay, guys, if you are not following us on Instagram yet, please do so at Nobody's Pod, at Annie underscore Wilk, and at Bryce Advice. It's the exact same on TikTok. Twitter is at Nobody's The Pod. Same for our personals. And you can always email us at noexpertallopinion at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. We hope you have an amazing weekend. And more importantly, a mediocre week. Thanks, guys. The Nobody's Podcast is produced by me, Annie Wilkinson, and Bryce McClay. It is recorded remotely in small, crummy apartments in the San Fernando Valley. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.